Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity, or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa Mickey McGrath. Today I'm recording 3,001 miles from Edinburgh, Scotland. Season three, season three, season three. Let's go! the project is done. Now I just have to do taxes. (laughs) Um, Before the break, we talked about McNugget the rooster. Well, related to that last episode, there are big changes in the McGrath homestead. We've talked about it for years and started looking into it in the last few months more seriously. We are getting chickens. I'm so proud of my kiddo who spent so much time over the last couple months researching chicken breeds, coops, fencing. She learned all parts of the chicken body, went to the library and got books and read them. What would work for us? What wouldn't work for us? Y'all, she's nine and she dove into this like a PH track student prepping for a dissertation. (laughs) She watched YouTube videos on chicken training, which is something she's super interested in doing. All of it. I'm so proud of her. The coop arrived yesterday, and so we get to put that together this weekend, and then we're going to get our first couple ladies, and then later this summer, we're going to get a couple more. We are so excited. So if you happen to have any chicken stories or chicken experience, go ahead and let me know because we are brand new to this, Um, and we are looking for egg layers. They're going to remain pets for the rest of their natural lives with us. Um, We're very, very, very excited. So send me your chicken stories. So speaking of chickens, so far we've covered McNugget, as mentioned, and the chickens who flew to space under the KFC sponsorship, and the Hollywood Highway hens that were featured in the beginning of season two. If you have other stories of that nature, please send them in. I'm feeling a little uh, plucky and would like to feature some more feathered friends on this show. Also, before the break in that same episode, we talked about a crow, or as we learned later on in the episode... It was actually a raven named Cosmo who found one kid several miles away that she happened to know and she was able to gain entry into an elementary school and then give the kids an interesting, let's just say language arts lesson that they will never forget. This story and the news piece that I'm going to tell you was sent in by a few of you during the break and it tickles me that so many reached out about using crow intelligence for the good of the environment. Or maybe not. You decide. 
since this is a longer episode, let's just get right into episode one of season three right now. We have discussed some doozies of jobs animals do for humans on this show. All the way back in episode one, bomb detection bees in Croatia, goats who eat brush to prevent forest fires, the aquaphobic Labrador retriever who worked with marine biologists to find whale poop for science. In case that sentence didn't make any sense, yes, the dog was a Labrador retriever who was bred to work in the water, who happened to be afraid of the water, and still managed to help marine biologists who work in the water to find whale pods who live in the water. For science. We talked about a teeny Yorkie in World War II who threaded wires through a 10-inch pipe to help build a communication system tower in 10 minutes. Y'all, without this little dog, the unit would have taken days to do the same job and likely would have been spotted and blown up. Emotional support pigs, entertainment headless chickens, lifeguard Newfoundland dogs, and more. But this one was sent to me several times over break in the headline, Crows in Sweden taught to clean up cigarette butts. Hold up. What? It's true. The garbage collectors in Sweden are at risk of losing their jobs to birds who will work for literal peanuts. (laughs) Swedish crows, because crows are super smart, as you all know, have been trained to pick up cigarette butts deposit them into a special waste receptacle, and in return are paid in food. I mean, it kind of works for college kids, right? And free pizza, so why wouldn't it work for equally intelligent crows? According to the data, cigarette butts account for 62% of all litter in Sweden. Ew. The leading piece of litter in the United States? Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. Those nasty, nasty leftover stubby little smoked filters from people chucking them out of car windows, which can also start forest fires, tossing them into the street, walking on paths, or in one case, when my roommate's new girlfriend hawked a still lit one off our balcony and it hit my dog between the eyes and burned her a little bit. My dog was completely fine, and it was not a great start to meeting my roommate's girlfriend. Well, ex-girlfriend. And since humans are evidently harder to train than birds, we now have to figure out an eco-friendly and cost-cutting method of picking up our disgusting waste. So, ding, 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 bring out your corvid. The allure for the crows cleaning up after us humans is multiple fold. For starters, crows famously learn from each other very quickly. You train one crow and then all the crows in the hood figure it out. And because they are trained very specifically to clean only discarded cigarette butts, the theory, and it's just a theory, we will get to it, that there's potentially a lower risk of crows specifically mistaking eating any other rubbish. Corvid cleaning creator, founder, and behavioral economist, Christian Gunther Hansen said, quote, they are wild birds taking part on a voluntary basis. And he truly believes this. He employed wild crows to clean up human trash and that this could save at least 75% of the costs involved with picking up cigarette butts, depending on how hard the crows are working. If this proves successful, Corvid Cleaning hopes that it will provide a permanent cleaning solution that can be implemented in other parts of the country and eventually nationwide. But it's not all happy, happy, joy, joy in animal behavior land. Yes. 
It is super cool to see crows picking up things for a treat, and it goes to the power of positive reinforcement for tasks. You see this at zoos. The zoo my kiddo used to go to had a bird show there, and there was a bird that was trained to go around and pick up dollar bills from the audience and put it in a donations bin. Then a second bird would go around and pick up recycling and deposit it in the right bin for a treat. This is a fantastic mentally stimulative exercise for birds who cannot be returned into the wild for so many valid reasons, including health, environment, breeding programs to make sure a species can survive, etc. But however, wild birds who live in and around people environments, is this a good idea? Well, if you ask a behavioral economist and other people who are looking at the financial and money bottom line, The answer is unequivocally yes. At cents on the dollar, a food treat for a crow is way cheaper and way more affordable than paying humans a living wage, benefits, plus equipment, trash bins, a truck, or 10, repair costs, lunch breaks, and more to do the exact same job. But if you were to ask an avian expert, or a biologist, or anyone who studies wild birds, the answer is an absolute hard no. One Corvid expert. Kaylee Swift from the University of Washington asks the question that I would love to know the answer to. Quote, what are the ethics of hiring birds to do this instead of hiring just more city employees? Note she asked about ethics, not money. If you ask a money man, it's likely that he'll say spending less money is always ethical as long as no one gets hurt. But that's not how I think, and I'm guessing that's not how Kaylee Swift thinks either. Gisela Kaplan, Emeritus Professor of Animal Behavior, with a U, at the University of England, also brings up some great points to consider before releasing the crows to do our dirty, 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 dirty work. The crows' wild behavior will undoubtedly be changed. Their desire to forage for food naturally is likely to be usurped, at least in part, to look for cigarettes for maybe getting a treat instead of food. And to what degree this can be harmful is still up in the air. Bird pun not intended. The time dedicated to performing a task for humans is time that they are not socializing with other crows. Changes in social dynamics and even feeding and reproductive patterns. Changes in foraging and vigilance behavior. That's when birds scan the environment for clues regarding their safety. For example, is that tree rustling due to the wind or due to a predator? Where is my mate going? Will that guy drop a cigarette so I can just get a snack already? The argument is, why teach the bird to find our own discarded cancer sticks for food when these wild animals could just, I don't know, find food? Well, what about interacting with humans and changing the bird's natural ways of doing things? Well, Gunther Hansen argues on his website that the horse is already out of the barn there anyway as crows already exist in an environment undeniably changed by humans. And that is completely fair and absolutely true. Many animals have changed their behavior in scavenging style to survive because of us. But this is where he loses me. He says, the crow's current behavior is not natural as such, so it's not necessarily a big change for them to just interact with the human world in a slightly different way. Says, the not-ornithologist Gunther Hansen. (laughs) I'm just going to jump in here. There is a huge difference between adapting to living with people over a few centuries and assuming because they live with us that their behavior is not natural anymore. 
I would personally argue that asking wild crows to engage with a robot for peanuts while they are handling our discarded cigarette filters, which are coated with our nasty disease, I don't know where those humans have been, and chemicals can be a dangerous situation for crows, and it is, in fact, not natural. Not at all. And as Gisela Kaplan reminds us, filters of cigarettes are filled with a concentration of dangerous chemicals to humans and thus are a risk to bird survival. While the intention isn't to get the birds hooked on Marlboros, they could conceivably ingest some of that leftover tobacco or nicotine. Both are addictive chemicals. Or maybe even a sadder image, use the materials in the cigarette butts to line nests for baby chicks. This can absolutely do significant harm to vulnerable baby crows. Point taken. And Gunther Hansen does make a note that no one yet knows what the health impacts will be on the crows. So that has to at least be on his radar, right? But it's noted on his website that the company intends to find out what those effects might be. But what exactly does that mean? He says that cigarette butts contain a lot of nicotine and other compounds that are dangerous if inhaled or ingested. No kidding, they're cigarettes. But he also adds that since the birds will do neither, it is unknown if they will get anything in them at all. He's assuming the birds will absolutely, in zero circumstances, eat, inhale, or ingest nicotine, tar, or any of the other dozens of harmful chemicals found in cigarettes in what appears to be an attempt a fifth grader in debate club would make, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, this could be good. Hear me out, hear me out. In city and urban environments, birds eat human junk food, so that can't be good. Twinkies and nachos can be detrimental to their health, so if we just feed them by way of these machines after they clean up after us, of course, the chances are pretty good that they can actually have a better diet, and we are helping with their health by asking them to pick up our cigabuts for better food. Interesting argument, Mr. Gunther Hansen. Few things. One, the best option is just hands down letting them eat what they would normally eat and not futzing around with the process. Two, his biggest argument is cost. And if you're feeding crows just peanuts, that is not exactly a high-quality diet given the crows are omnivores, meaning they also eat meat. Yep, they do eat a majority of nuts and seeds, sure, but also, and we learned this with our chicken research, by the way, they will eat other bird eggs, reptiles, insects, and it doesn't stop there. Y'all, smaller birds, fish, mice, and rats, bats, dog food, human food, and yes, even roadkill. Quote the raven from Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, tries to eat anything vaguely golf ball sized and squishy like olives and he is always sorely disappointed his find is not a dead sheep eyeball. All of those things sound way more expensive and time consuming for some human to load into a machine or cost more at the crows and more store so I'm not entirely sure if his plan is going to actually be cheaper as he's projecting and we'll find other ways to poke holes into that piece in a minute. Three, they are losing their ability to forage for food and could become completely dependent on humans and the cigabut machines. That's bad. Remember the goats in episode 11? These goats were released into a national park, and these goats eventually found it easier to just wait for tourists to hide in the tree line to go pee 
Then the goats would come over and drink our liquid gold instead of traveling to the salt mines to get necessary salt and minerals for survival. As a result, baby goats became dependent on human urine, ew, and they lost the ability to migrate to the mineral areas that have been a part of goatum since the dawn of goat time. Some goats even became aggressive to humans, including one man who was gored by a male goat. That man died, and the goat was eventually euthanized for aggression, all because they became too dependent on us. And this was a case of, in the immortal words of four-year-olds everywhere, we didn't mean to do it. And that's true, this was completely by accident. But in this case, a for-profit company is intentionally putting crows, wild crows, in a position where they would have to be dependent on humans. It seems easier in the short term and certainly seems kitschy in the short term and it would get a lot of YouTube hits in the short term. Look what we taught crows to do. But thinking about the murder of crows episode where a group of crows started harassing neighbors in a Seattle neighborhood and those crows ultimately had to be trained to accept the neighbors. Everyone had to come out and give the crow collective delicious treats whenever they went outside. And this ended up working out well as when one of the neighbors fell and got hurt. The crows were able to alert the neighborhood that the man was injured and he was later saved. Woohoo, go crows! But imagine for a moment, crows dive-bombing people smoking, getting them to drop their cigarette so they can just take the still-lit cigarette and deposit it for food in a receptacle for a peanut? The human is unnecessarily harassed. The birds are put in a position where they can be absolutely hated. The machine might burn down or worse, imagine if the machine doesn't work. It's bad enough when people don't get their soda when they put a dollar into the soda machine. We become Neanderthalic and beat up those machines to try to loosen our, our soda. Can you imagine a team of crows surrounding the machine and tearing it down like statues of dictators and confederacy generals around the globe? Yo, the two articles that were suggested to me while reading about these crows. Here are the headlines in a little blurb. One, Silicon Valley will use lasers to combat bothersome crows. Residents of Sunnyvale, California in the heart of Silicon Valley are irritated by the large number of crows that are flocking around in the downtown area, making a lot of racket, snatching outdoor diners food and pooping everywhere. According to Vice Mayor Alyssa Cisneros says, city staff may start using lasers to combat the crows. Well, that's not great. And two, <laughs> man attempts to relocate crow from roof of his car, resulting in the birds. This is a, a video, and it's only a video, of a younger man trying to get a crow off of his, I'll say it, pretty sweet car parked on a city street. Then the crow starts dive-bombing him and got a friend crow to help assault the guy. <laughs> remember, crows remember. These birds have nothing now but time and they will likely lay in wait to get this guy every day for the rest of the time he lives in this apartment. Do not mess with crows. <laughs> yes, crows are smart. That means you cannot afford to stop thinking where the trick ends and the behavioral economist is not the guy to ask what will likely happen. You need an ornithologist all up in this biz. 
And going back to testing the birds for health effects, the company website states that the wild birds will have levels of compounds measured. And if any, any bird reaches a dangerous level of compounds, the company will just adjust the project and exclude items with those compounds. What? It sounds like these guys are trying to get crows to pick up cigarette butts. How are you going to get them to stop picking up cigarette butts if the compounds that they are searching for are elevated? What else are you going to have them pick up? They can only pick up menthol and not Camel Light 100s? I don't understand. The other piece of this, on the surface, it sounds like, sure, 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 we'll test the birds, and if they're getting sick, we'll just stop having them pick up things that are making them sick. But if you read it, the company is just vaguely suggesting that they will test for vague compounds. Let's make this easy. Let's swap the word with stuff, and it's equally as vague, right? Just because a word has multiple syllables doesn't give you more information. Which stuff specifically are they testing for? How will stuff be measured? How will they intend to capture and test the wild crows for this stuff? Remember in the Cosmo story at the end of season two, if you try to catch a corvid and miss, they will remember you. And that is a terrifying thought because wild crows have friends and there is scientific data to back up that they will hunt you down and do the two fingers to the eyes, to your eyes, back to your eyes thing. Here is an example of the craftiness of crows that must be considered in all of this that is being missed by the Corvid cleanup crew. A couple of years ago, scientists created a vending machine that would only release treats if a crow could find the right size paper to put in the receptacle. Y'all, not only did these birds remember the right size of paper, which I can't even remember where I just put my car keys, but they also took the larger pieces of paper and cut them down to the size and shape with their beaks and claws and fit those into the machines for extra treats. My human child could not do this until she was like four. Asking crows to do anything for people will work well for a week until they outsmart us and then all find a way to take over the world, which at this point I'm actually completely here for. And they'll probably do it with like a cigarette hanging out of their mouth like Clint Eastwood in the Westerns. But the minimal info website, corvidcleaning.com, has exactly, let me check, yep, zero info as to those health how-to details and exactly what compounds or what stuff they are looking for, testing for, how they are testing, all of it is absent from the information freely given to the public. There is also zero mention of working with people I would love to see on this project. Biologists, ornithologists, corvid experts, training experts, animal behavior specialists, zoologists, literally anyone who has an educational background into birds, behavior, and corvids in particular. An animal ethics agency or expert. I'd honestly be thrilled at this point if Toucan Sam from the Fruit Loops box was on board. But given the birds will be carrying these discarded biohazards with their beaks, and y'all... We talk about how dirty a dog's mouth is. Do you know how dirty our mouths are? We are disgusting. Who knows what diseases we will give to the crows? Kaylee Swift, from the beginning of this piece, has several concerns, and they are all extremely valid. Are they submitting blood work to a lab for a toxicology report? How will they determine what is acceptable? This is a for-profit firm. What animal ethics agency is overseeing this? Similar concerns that I have, Kaylee. And she goes on to suggest that if this flies, there is not much in the way from stopping other wild animals from being exploited in this way. And that might seem like a jump, 
But I think Kaylee Swift is right in thinking that this might be a slippery slope. I mean, have you met humans? Okay, let's just look back in recent history. I'm not even going to go back that far and show what we do. (laughs) We'll just look at other Corvid stories in the news from the last five years. In 2017, Danish crows put together their CVs and resumes and marched down to the employment office. You see, the Dutch company, Crowded Cities, tried this exact thing. (laughs) The exact same thing. Crow gets a cigarette. Cigarette goes to bin. Bin gives peanut. Bada bing, bada bam. But after a whole year of trying to get this project to fly, it never got wings. Crowded Cities failed because it didn't have enough resources, which I'm reading as money, and mentioned second was... Quote, furthermore, we couldn't get a clear picture of what the effects would be on crows and the environment. It made us decide to end the project. In 2018, the French theme park, Poi de Fou, Poi de Fou? I'm not French, trained six captive rooks, another kind of corvid, to pick up trash around the park. This was absolutely a publicity stunt and they own it. And the way that it was presented to the public was, it's not just keeping the park clean. People do a really good job of that, but it's to demonstrate that nature itself can teach us to take care of the environment. Okay, maybe I'm jaded and my experience in amusement parks is very USA-centric. I'm not in France. They are probably, everything is probably cleaner than anything in America. So I do have a jaded view on big companies, amusement parks, milking people for all they have, and yes, a fun experience, but not exactly eco-friendly. I could be completely wrong in this case, but I'm more inclined to think that the company who is basically the old-timey version of Disneyland with a medieval village minus the disease and the surfs and the bits we tend not to think about, and all of the bits that we do think about like corsets and crafts and a tavern, and a bird show that is advertised as 330 magnificent birds coming back to the old ruins that have been abandoned for centuries. Yes, eagles and falcons and vultures and kites and owls and dozens of other birds of prey circle the sky and swoop down into the arms of their master falconers. These people are orchestrating this cool, cool, cool ballet. And all of these birds are flying just inches from the audience. And I'm not going to lie, this looks and sounds amazing. And I would absolutely love to see it and participate in the behind the scenes learn how to do falconry bit if you happen to stay at one of the hotels on site. And I would for sure be the first person to point at a crow picking up garbage and probably audibly gasp while saying, hey, did you see that bird pick up trash and throw it away? That would 1000% be blasted on every social media thingy I have. It would be amazing. But I'm not under the illusion that the big company is in it for 70 US dollars a ticket is thinking about how nature can teach us about the environment as the primary reason for teaching this trick to rooks. It's freaking cool, and everyone will be insta-thinging it, which will get more people talking about the park and encouraging people to go. Yes, it's cool, and these are captive rooks, but looking out for the environment at a theme park is not exactly quite genuine either. To me, this looks like using wild birds for cleaning up after humans is a terrible idea. It's almost as bad as throwing your cigarette butt on the ground to begin with, so just don't do that. What would maybe be more effective and less harmful to birds? Well, sliding scale fines for people who discard trash or community service to clean up a highway or a park or outside a bar after any Saturday night. Or better yet, 
rewarding people who are doing the right thing. I mean, we've definitely tried this several times and it hasn't worked for humans or the crows. I suspect after Gunther Hansen investigates how much this will actually cost to test the birds medically, catch them, train them to different kinds of trash, medical needs for the birds, toxicology reports, an oversight committee, figure out a detailed plan that ensures their entire and full and unnegotiable safety with data, with proof, with evidence, and it's not just a theory and a few ambiguous ideas on a website homepage. He will probably discover the same way the Danish team did that the one piece of his plan, the piece his plan hinges on, is cost. And he rightfully brags that this can be done. The towns that use crows will save mucho mula. Currently, it costs between 9 cents and 22 cents to have a human pick up our gross habit. But if crows can do it, he suspects it'll be 2 cents per cigarette butt, because the crows would literally be paid in peanuts. But... And that's a butt with one or two T's, whichever you like, when you add in the cost of everything else, plus the undeniable changes to bird behavior, the high-end bird food, maybe, he suggested it, and maybe medical bills to humans dive-bombed by bombardier corvids for their smoking stick, I suppose that number will change significantly. The bird experts both suggest that bylaws have to be in place. There are too many animals that are exploited for their intelligence and their entertainment and their everythingness. See some of the controversy surrounding wild animals captured for animal shows at SeaWorld, the circuses of old-timey times, and some would argue the circuses of new-today times. Some do it right with enrichment and captive animals who cannot be returned to the wild. In many ways, this helps people see how smart and alive these animals really are. But currently, both women are adding their voices and support to the vocal experts already begging for legal protection to birds like crows and elephants and other employed smart animals so their intelligence is not used against them. Humans have always felt entitled to use animals anywhere and in any context as long as they wish, explained Giselle Kaplan. And she's right. So what are we going to do about it? The one thing that hasn't been addressed is how humans can change on their own. So we don't need to talk about passing our smokers' habits onto the birds to begin with. And I don't think Christian Gunther Hansen is a bad dude. He's not the villain of a story, not at all. I think this level of thinking outside the box is absolutely necessary for the survival of not just our species, but all species with climate change and being good stewards of the earth. Where I think he'd be better served... And it's unclear on his website, maybe he is doing some of this, and I hope he is, is to talk with experts and people who are advocating for the birds. And perhaps there's a middle ground, maybe captive rooks or captive crows or birds who are unable to be released into the wild could maybe help in this if it can be proven safe for them to do. At least captive crows might be able to be handled and checked medically and are able to do some of these tasks. And if one goes rogue and starts attacking people, that bird can be pulled from service and not train other wild crows to do the same thing. And maybe then it will encourage people to go pick up after themselves, or maybe not. I'm not a bird expert. I'm barely even a functioning-ish human being. 
But I think that what's missing here, the experts aren't nearly as highlighted in the discussion. If you Google Crow's cigarette cleanup, you get only a couple hits on talking to experts. All of the other articles and pieces and tweets and everything are headlines praising the Corvid cleaning initiative for highlighting the intelligence of crows and ooh, shiny. And maybe we really are more like crows than we think. We like to think of the new shiny thing. I'm actually going to end this with words from Christian Gunther Hansen on his Corvid cleaning website. Best wishes and throw your trash in the bin. Which, if we all just did that, we wouldn't even have to have this discussion now, would we? So I know that this probably went in a direction that was not expected, and truthfully, I wasn't sure which way it was going to go either. I did suspect that I would find something that would not be as rah, 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 yay, crows, and, and I have nothing about the, nothing against the crows doing this work. I have a problem and maybe a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to this story because I have chronic lung issues as a result of almost two decades of secondhand smoke. My mother was, and to my knowledge, still is, a heavy smoker. And those choices and that addiction to cigarettes really impacted my life negatively, despite never picking up the habit myself. This is a huge reason why we had to take COVID incredibly seriously in our household. Because while it's bad if anyone got COVID, especially when the mortality rate was so high and scary and sad and still is with over 6.9 million people worldwide who have died of COVID and are continuing to die from this disease, the likelihood that I would have been hospitalized or worse before a vaccine was statistically higher than the average 40-year-old non-smoker. I have a vested interest in educating kids picking up smoking to begin with, including e-cigarettes. And I would hate to see crows suffer secondhand like I did, and the millions of other kids who have grown up around cigarette smoke who had no choice who are still suffering today. Every time I smell cigarette smoke, even though it's been decades since living with it, I get anxious and I remember what it was like going to school smelling like an ashtray and getting teased by peers or by taking my clothes home to my dad's house in a trash bag to hopefully lock in the odor and just dump the entire thing into a washing machine the first thing after coming home from weekends with smokers. Then I would jump into a shower and do my best to try to clean it all off, but it stays in your hair for days. It's a hard habit to break. Some say it's the hardest habit to break. And if you or someone you know is looking at support for quitting smoking, call the American Cancer Society Quit Line at 1-800-227-2345. So with all of that being said, I will say this was still a really fascinating topic to dive into, even if it might not have gone in the happy-go-lucky direction that I think you guys all really wanted me to go in, and I'm really sorry about that. I learned a lot, and now I want to go to that French amusement park with all the birds. Who wants to go with me? So if there are topics that you would be interested in hearing about on the podcast, know of any historical animals who changed the world, animals who help humans with science, or if you want me to maybe ruin another exciting headline you saw in the news, I'm so sorry. Send it in to bewilderbeespod at gmail.com. Tweet at bewilderedpod, bewilderbeespod on Facebook and on Instagram. Bewilderbeast on Instagram. Sorry, it's been a break. I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath, dog trainer, behavior consultant, author, and presenter with Mutt Stuff Media. Now go get curious.
I got today's information from a lot of places. Mentalfloss.com, Cosmos Magazine, Dawn.com, IFL Science because IFL Science, BoingBoing.net, CorvidCleaning.com, TheBBC.com, PoiDeFu.com, ABCBirds.org, and my own life growing up with a smoker. Links, as always, are in the description of today's episode. Intro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Leibowitz, and interstitial music is by MK2. Additional music provided by Pixabay and Freesound.org. Don't forget to like and subscribe, review, and share with your curious friends. And if this is not the episode you want to share, find a different one. There's some funnier ones in earlier seasons. Next week's is going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's really funny. I promise. It's a different direction entirely. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.